Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Now is the time we get to give to the Lord, so if the ushers would kindly prepare. Um, last month was a great blessing for me. I got to uh, spend, I, I got to travel with my father for the first time, just he and I. And, you know, because we Oriental and, and we live, from, live in Hawaii, he wanted to go to the desert southwest, you know, one of those states. And let me tell you, that state was not Utah. It was Lost Wages, Nevada. So we went there. And because, you know, I don't gamble. I don't gamble. So uh, what I did was I rented a car and I drove to the Hoover Dam, which was amazing. It was an incredible uh, mega, mega wonder of, of the world. And one of the things about the Hoover Dam is they poured over 3 million cubic uh, yards of concrete. That's enough concrete to build a highway from LA to New York. Um, the, the Hoover Dam, the electricity it generates is, is enough for 1.5 million people, you know, or in Back to the Future terms, it's 1.25 gigawatts of electricity. But it was, it was so amazing. But to me, what was the most amazing thing was this dam was built in the 1930s. That's like 80 years ago. Okay? And still today, if it wasn't for the Hoover Dam, there would be not enough water in LA, Phoenix, Las Vegas for the cities to grow. There would not be any food or agricultural production in the most fertile place in our country. It's all because people 80 years ago invested and put in time and effort to build this dam. Today, for us, I know, you know, 80 years from now, none of us in this room will be here. But when we give, we get to impact our future generations in, in, a, in an amazing way. That's how God works. You think about it, 80 years ago, somebody gave so that today you and I could hear the gospel. So let's go ahead and pay it forward and give for future generations. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Lord God, right now as we give sacrificially with cheerful hearts, use it to not just impact the people here in Hilo today, this Christmas season, but 20, 30, 40, 80, 100 years from now, may the legacy, Lord God, that we give right now uh, be in motion, praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, all right. Ladies, let's get this going. Come on, chop, chop. It's your turn. We have a duet. Okay, so you're the last of the day. So show us, show us what you got. Yeah, turn on your mics. Let's go. This thing hello. on? Hello. hello. Yeah. hello. Yep. Oh, yep. It's this on. This is so cool. All right. All right. Oh, this show place us. is bigger than I thought. Okay. All right. Show us what you got. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Ready. Ready. Two, three, four. So he gave me a heart and he gave me a smile. He gave me Jesus and he made me his child. And I just thank you, Father, for making me me. Alrighty then. Um, no, don't don't encourage them. Don't do that. No, that was um, that was unique. But that I, that's not a song I'm familiar with. And the 
the play is about joy, so that that had nothing oh, to do with joy. joy. Oh, we can do something more familiar. Do Bruno. I don't really want Bruno, you to. Bruno. Five, six, seven, eight. Today I don't feel like doing anything. Joy, 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 joy. No, no, that is that is not what I meant. No, no, thank you. Um, okay, you you're done. Girl. You can you sound go ahead. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Got you, got you, got you. Okay. No, I don't want to hear. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Oh yeah. No, you're not. I don't think this is the part for you. No. No, please just stop. Just stop right there. Don't don't do anything else. Just you can exit. Thank you for coming I told today, you but we should have stayed with our original plan. You know, it's like five, six, seven, no, eight. Don't joyful, joyful, joy. Oh wait, let's harmonize. They like it when we do that. Okay. We don't joyful, joyful, joy. We adore thee. No, no, no. Just stop, please. No, we don't. Oh, okay, okay, I got goodness. one more, one more, one no, more. Okay, no, this, no, this is no a familiar more. one. It's a happy. Get you, it, get you guys it. all know You're this one. All right, all right, right, right. No more. And I don't want lot for Christmas. That's just one thing I need. The only thing I need is for you to stop. And I don't care about those presents underneath the Christmas tree. All right, that's enough. That's Girl, enough. That you good. girls, you just don't get it. It's not just about singing songs with the word joy in it. Ugh, it's all about the real reason for the season where true joy comes from and your hearts just aren't in it and this oh, part isn't for joy? you. Joy? No. Ugh, but you know what? My heart hasn't been joyful and... I think I need to apologize. I'm, I shouldn't be so mean to you and rude. Actually, I'm kind of glad that you came today because you've shown me what outer joy looks like. Yeah, I mean, maybe not in your voice, but joy could look like that. So thank you, thank you. Aww. So does that mean we get the part? <laughs> no. Oh, well, joy to the world, y'all. Joy to the world You know, if they got the part, I'm like, I can do this too, then I can, I can make this part too. You know, when it comes to joy, joy looks differently for different people. We look to different things to add joy to our life. But there's this word joy that comes out of the Bible that we're going to learn about today. And in this season that we're talking about Christmas, because it's Christmas, that we're learning that joy is more than just a feeling, that joy is a person. And there is a reason why we celebrate this season there's a reason why we gather together in this season and, and talk about Jesus and the birth of Jesus Christ and, 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 and bringing joy to the world. There are things that happen in our world that may bring us joy or happiness for a moment, but it's temporary. In fact, in 1965, the Kailua Drive-In opened up on the island of Oahu. And a drive-in is where they have a big projector screen outdoors, and you drive your car there, put a speaker on your window, and you can watch the movie in your car or in the back of your truck and with all the children watching together, and that's the drive-in. Well, sometime later, my uncle took all of us 
in, in his truck to watch this movie. Listen. Like you, you can feel, just with that first part, just with the first chord, whatever that's called, stanza, just that, that first part, doesn't it do something to you? Like I saw many of you were like, ah, that's my movie. It, it just, it, it, it brings something to your heart. You feel something because of that. That's, that's a kind of joy. When I was 12 years old, I met this girl, and she brought so much joy to my heart that I married her. Such joy tomorrow. But I can tell you this, and that is my wife, Heidi. <laughs> just, just to let you know. And we've been together for 34 years, been married for 27. And here's what I found. As much joy that she can bring to my life, as joyful as I am that she is in my life, she does not have the capacity of joy to sustain my life into eternity. As great as she is, as great as that movie is, Star Wars, as great as the things that we have, as great as these things are, it does not have the capacity nor enough strength to sustain us through life. That's, a, that's, a, that's the kind of joy that will, will make us joyful for a, a season or, or even for a moment, but it doesn't, it doesn't have the strength that is necessary to sustain our life. See, that word joy, we hear it, but there's the joy of the world and our joy, self, or human joy. And then there is the joy of the Lord. We're going to take a look at that so you can take out your notes with me. And in this season that we're talking about Christmas and this series that we're going through, really what we're learning is what Christmas is all about. And in the Bible, in the New Living Translation, the word joy is mentioned 272 times. The word joy so there's something significant about joy, so much so that it would be mentioned more than the word success, which is mentioned about 24 times, more than the word happy, which is mentioned about 70 times, and more than the word prosper, which is mentioned about 35 times. Now, we all want success, we all want to be happy, and we all want to prosper. But what's so significant about this word joy that it's mentioned more times? See, and the busyness of Christmas and the amount of effort put into Christmas is unbelievable. How much energy and resources are poured into this season. So we're going to explore the reason why we celebrate Christmas and how it affects our life, especially talking about this word joy. Last year, the average American shopper spent $846 on Christmas gifts. Now, some spent more, some spent less, but on average, it was $846. On average, the American spent... Or, or bought 16 gifts for Christmas. Now, for some, that's low. For some, that's high. But 16 gifts on average. Last year was the first time we, we hit the $1 trillion mark in retail when it comes to spending during this Christmas season. $1 trillion. Along with the spending, along with the season and all that we go through, this season also brings a lot of stress a lot of difficulty. We're more fatigued, more tired. We lack sleep because we don't have that many hours to rest and we spend more time at work for many people. That's the season of Christmas. It has its ups and downs and during the holidays, we all will experience a joyful season 
or a joyful moment or a joyless season or a joyless moment. It comes with life. And today as we look at this word joy, I want to give us a, a kind of a, a picture of what the reservoir of joy looks like. And I'll illustrate it in this way. Let's just say our life of joy is like a, like a big container. And it has like a measurement of what joy would be. And when you have money, you have joy in your life. Let's just say your relationships are going well. And you have joy in your life because your family is doing well. Relationships are going well. Your children bring you joy. And because they bring you joy and everybody's happy, now you're having a great time as a family. Or maybe your house, you just bought a house or you're doing well with your home. Uh, maybe you just bought a car. Uh, okay, that's a car. And a window. So these things bring us joy because we, it's, it's new into our lives. But what happens when these things just these things and the things we have and the temporary things of the world, what if that's all we have for joy? That these things is what fills us up with joy. You know, if this is all we have that is the joy of our life, then we're just one tragedy away from all joy being depleted from our life. Just one tragedy. Something happens to our home, there goes all the joy. Why? Because the output of joy, when a tragedy hits, is going to be so great that everything else does not have enough joy to sustain all the joy that's being depleted. We're just, if this is our foundation for joy, then we're just one tragedy away from being depleted of all joy. If we have no more finances, there goes our joy. Something happens to our car or in an accident, our relationships go bad. Then there goes all of our joy because we're being depleted. These things do not have enough input to sustain the joy of our life when tragedy hits. If this is just our joy. But here's the good news. The good news is that the Bible gives us a better way to be sustainable when it comes to joy. And there's a reason why we're talking about this word joy. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 16, verse 21, it, uh, excuse me, 15, verse 21, it tells us that folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight. You know, when, when finances become an issue, in fact, I remember someone came up to me and said, I'm having a difficult time with finances, and, and, and man, this is such a difficult season. So we went through a budget, and what we found was he was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. And that was cutting back. So we tallied it up, and on average, he was spending $6.28 a day, which was $188 per month, which accumulated to or, or was uh, added up to $2,292 per year. In 10 years, he would have spent $22,920 just on cigarettes. Another person came up to me and talked to me about their finances and, like, Everything is falling apart. I have no money. I say, well, let's go through your budget. Come to find out, they're a coffee drinker. So, and what I'm not saying is don't drink coffee. But it's just in their situation. And so they looked at coffee, and they were spending $1,325 on coffee per year. Per year. If they were to make homemade coffee, some of you are like, homemade coffee? 
Homemade coffee? That's how we used to do it. They would have only spent $143 a year on coffee. Probably just black coffee. No sugar, no cream, just straight up tar. But they would have saved $1,183, and in 10 years, they would have saved $11,380 just from a cup of coffee. Now, I say that, not again, again, it's not about the, the financial part of it. It's really how the Bible says when we lack understanding. Folly is joy to those who lack sense, but a man of understanding walks straight. In other words, what used to be a luxury, what used to be things that were additional things that we could get has now become necessities for us. It's like we can't live without these things. We even say that, I need to make my coffee. If I don't get my coffee, everybody dies. So I need to get, we say these things and it might be true. But the things that used to be luxuries have now become necessities. Even our cell phones. Do you know this is not a necessary thing in our life? Like we could function without cell phones. I mean, God forbid that they're all gone because that's the way of life right now. But some of us have gone without a cell phone when it, you know, when it dies or something happens to it. We figure things out. Luxuries have become necessities, and the problem with that is it seeps into our very own life, and now we think everything around us is supposed to sustain our joy. But it doesn't have enough to sustain us. We're just one tragedy away from being depleted from all joy when things become the joy of our life. And things is the foundation of our joy. And when we, whenever we lack these things, because if you think about it, when joy comes into our life through these things, it's only because we lack the sense to see that many things that give us emotional joy is not enough to sustain us, especially if something tragic happens. That's what Proverbs is saying. But a person of understanding walks straight, and when we understand the joy of the Lord, tragedy doesn't cripple us. When we understand the joy of the Lord, we can walk straight. We don't stray away from God's path. We're still able to function in life rather than running into wall after wall, roadblock after roadblock. Why? Because the Bible says we can be a person of understanding. Nehemiah, a man in the Bible that God used, walked past the walls of Jerusalem when the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. The walls of Jerusalem were built so that they could protect the people who were in it. And now God's people are living there. Well, Nehemiah sees this and sees the walls broken down. They're in captivity. And Nehemiah's heart breaks. And so he kind of ponders on it and he says, well, what can we do about this? Nehemiah, being a problem solver, thought, wait a minute, we can rebuild the walls. So they rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, strengthen up the city, and then they're going to celebrate. Ezra reads the law of God. So he gets on a platform, kind of like this, and he starts reading the, the word of God. And as he's reading... The people are reminded of how far they've come from the things of God. And now they start to weep and mourn because they're reminded, man, we, God used to be our joy, but now we put our joy into things and, and, and our city and the walls, but everything's broken down. So, oh boy, we've strayed so far from God. So they're pondering on these things. They're looking at their past. They're looking at all the mistakes that they've made. And now they're weeping and they're grieving. And then Nehemiah says the famous words in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. 
He says, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not going to be rebuilding this wall. It's not going to be rebuilding your life. It's not going to be grabbing these things and jump into another relationship or trying to make more money or buy another car to, to get that feeling of joy back. It's going to be the joy of the Lord. We can do these things, but don't use these things to sustain your joy, lest you're one tragedy away from being depleted of all joy. And so that's what was going on, and they were just looking at their past. Nehemiah was reminding them that there is a God who is so concerned, not necessarily about what you did or what you're doing, but about where you're heading. It's about that word joy. See, joy that comes from God is the super fuel that keeps us sustainable when it comes to living this life. So if it is the joy of the Lord, there is, there is more capacity and endless amounts of joy that comes from God that even though tragedy may hit, the output of joy that will be depleting our life Nowhere compares to the amount of joy that the Lord will be adding in. I just recently was talking to a person who lost her son during this season, passed away. And I'm, I'm watching her go through this season and I'm like, you're, you're, I mean, you're mourning, you're grieving, but you have this joy about you and this, this strength. Tell me what's happening. And she said, no, God already told me. God already said everything is going to be fine. I know where my son is. He created us for eternity. I know what's happening. He's giving me a strength that I, I, he's sustaining me. Basically, that's what was happening. And the joy of the Lord that is our strength is not a situational joy because in a situation like that, you lose a loved one. Joy is being depleted. But God's joy that's being filled into our lives is greater than the joy that is being depleted. I remember one person saying, you know, I, I, I see the things about God, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need God because I'm doing fine. My family's fine. We have finances. Uh, life is great. Why do I need God? And I said, that's a good question. So basically what you're saying is these things is the joy of your life. And they said, yes. I said, here's what it is. I said, you don't think you need God because you have not yet experienced God's very best for your life. You don't even know what that looks like, so you don't even know how good it can be. It's like me growing up with crackers, just regular crackers, and then someone introduced me to Ritz crackers. I was like, where is this from? And then they introduced me to Ritz crackers, and that unhealthy cheese it's the best thing in the world make a sandwich with that then I look at the crackers I'm like I don't know I'd rather have the Ritz like if you don't know what you don't know it's hard for us to even determine what it's like so when someone says I don't need God because I'm doing fine you, you just don't know what it's like Right now, you're just eating regular crackers. So God has something better for you. I'm not calling our family crackers. I am, well, some of our family. Well, anyway. But what God has in store for us, no eye has seen nor ear has heard the wonderful things of God. 
So we have yet to experience the wonderful things of God, his very best for us. And the reason why we celebrate Christmas as believers is because we know that God's way of giving us his joy was through his son, Jesus Christ. That joy is a person, and Christmas is all about Jesus. That's why Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, is one of the most famous scriptures that we read. We have it on cartoons. Christmas cards have it. Books are written around this scripture because we understand that God brought us joy that was in a person, not in a thing that was temporary, but it was in the eternal being of God's one and only son. It says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Good news I bring to you. So we're going to look at three things to understand from what took place over 2,000 years ago in the birth of Christ. And here's the first thing, and this is what the angel said. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. If you want to write this in, and it's, a, it's almost like, wait, what do you mean do not be afraid? Isn't being afraid a feeling? How do you not feel something when something happens? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of what? Because how do I stop a feeling? Well, the way I think about it is if you fear something, in order to not be afraid of whatever it is, whatever surrounds you must be greater than what you fear. If you don't want to fear something, your surrounding must be greater than what you fear. If you fear something, that means whatever surrounds you is not greater than what you're fearing. When, when I was growing up, I was already dating Heidi, so I believe I was in the ninth grade. And we were on Oahu, so we would catch the bus. And so we're catching the bus from Waimanalo to Kailua. And this is on the windward side of, of Oahu. And Heidi was in Kailua. I was going to meet her at the bowling alley there in Kailua. Well, while we were on the bus, my friend and I uh, saw these other guys on the bus, and then they started talking about a friend of ours, and they weren't talking nice. They were basically uh, saying some bad things about him. And so we're thinking, is he talking about so-and-so? It's like, yeah, I think he's talking about him. So by the time we get to Kailua, uh, we're, we're kind of like, we're going we're gonna to let our friend know that these guys were talking about him. As we're leaving the bus, one of the guys says something to me. And because we're leaving, I didn't hear exactly what he said, but he said something loud enough for me to hear, and it wasn't in the nicest tone. So he said something, and as I'm walking down the steps of the bus, I turned around, and I said, what? And then the door closed, and I was safe, praise the Lord. So <laughs> we walked to the, to, the, to the bowling alley across this parking lot, but they got off at the next bus stop, which I didn't know, and we saw them walking across the parking lot. So we're thinking, hey, those are the guys. And they're older than us, so, and me and my Japanese friend, we can, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's like me as a, like a, like a, like a poi dog and, and like a chihuahua, you know, trying to beat up this Rottweiler. So those three guys were coming towards us, and it wasn't a friendly walk towards us, like, hey, how's it? It was the, and biting the lip and all. And, and they were coming towards us, so I was like, hey, so you, you think they're going to like, 
scrap us. He's like, I don't know. It's like, but we cannot take out them. <laughs> no way, we can get lichens. So they, they came closer to us, and, he, and so he did this hint. What you said? Going off the bus. What you said? I was like, what do you mean what I said? What you said about, you was talking about my friend. He said, eh, eh. So you know when you start bouncing, eh, eh. So he's doing that to me and my friend. Eh, eh, what's up? So I'm, so me and my friend were like, we're not gonna, so they start trying to surround us. They're like, eh, eh. So <laughs> that's just, that's just local language for all kinds of words. <laughs> so me and my friend, we leave. So basically we run away. We, but we find his brother, my friend's brother was at the bus stop waiting to catch the bus to go home. So my, my friend's brother and his friends were there. His friend, so two of them, and they were seniors. They were older than all of us. So we told them the story, and these are the kinds of guys they're just waiting to scrap. Like, they, they, they salivate. Like, hey, guys, get, get a couple guys. They, like, scrap. They're like, what, 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 let's go. Like, you can miss your bus. I don't care about my bus. So they, they walk with us. Now, I'm so confident now. As I'm walking across the parking lot, I'm looking for those guys. I'm like, what? What? Where you stay, eh? You're like, run. Where you stay? I had so much confidence. I don't know where they were. They're probably hiding in the bushes somewhere. So I, so I was so confident. And here's why. Because my surrounding was much greater than what I feared. I had no fear at all. Why? Because I would just go up to them. What? What? Ah, get them. That's what I would do. Like, lick them. And, and I would just stand behind them and watch. And they would, they would beat up those guys, and I would feel so good about it. I was a non-believer, just to let you know back then. I wasn't a Christian. So that's how I felt like this, this yeah, take them out. But I, I, I had no fear because these guys were scrappers. My, my brother's, uh, my friend's brother, he's that kind of guy who's like, he, he's just, he's always thinking about someone to fight. If someone were to look at him, he's happy about that. Like, please, please give me a reason to fight you. The other guy always never had a shirt. He, always, he was always shirtless, sweating, shirt around the head, like grass in the hair and gravel on the shoulder. I don't know why, but he was just always like that. He, was, he always wanted to fight. Those are the kinds of guys that I would want to hang around with. Just for that time, not all the time, just for those moments, because they would be able to do what I never could do. My surrounding was bigger than what I feared. I had no problems. That's why I married Heidi. <laughs> My surrounding of marriage is greater than any fear. Someone comes up to me, I'm like, yeah, Heidi, get them. <laughs> Take them out. Hey, as husbands, we know our wives. They can scrap. But if you think about the fears that we have, insecurities, fear of failure, fear of disappointment, you know, fear of letting people down and fear of, of losing our family members, and we have all these fears, God says, you fill my life up with my love, it'll be so much greater than what you feel, than what you fear. Just fill me up. With your love, God, it'll be greater than what I fear. First John chapter 4, verse 18 tells us that. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves punishment and the one who fears is not perfected in love. Whatever surrounds you must be greater than what you fear. And, whatever, and 
if there is whatever that surrounds you that is greater than your fear, you have nothing to fear. And that's what God's love is all about. My grandchildren, they fear the dark. So when I say go into the room and grab something, they'll go and then come back and say, Papa, it's dark in there. I'm such a, I'm, I'm, I'm a difficult Papa in those situations because I'm like, bro, there's nothing in the dark. Just go get it. Just, it's, it's right in the room. You know where it is. They said, no, but it's dark. I said, go turn on the light. I can't reach the switch. I'm like, what do you mean you can't, you can turn it on? No, but I can't reach it from where I am. <laughs> where, where are you standing? I'm like, by the hallway. I'm like, well, stretch. But can you turn on the light? No. Too bad. You got to deal with the dark, buddy. So as a nice papa, I'll go closer and push him. <laughs> and keep, come on. Come on. Why? Because I'm here with you. There's nothing in the room. Nothing's going to grab you. <laughs> what if something grabbed you? That would have been hilarious. So I, I'll, they'll turn on the light, the hallway light. They'll turn on lights as they go. And then finally in the room. Here's why they do that. Because the light is greater than the darkness. Whatever surrounds you is greater than what you fear. And when that happens, you fear nothing. God's love is so much greater than what we fear. That's the joy of the Lord. It's his love, his capacity, so much greater than what is here on this earth. People will add joy to our life, that's fine. Things will add joy, but it's temporary. His love illuminates the darkness of fear and casts out all of our fears. Here's the second thing we learn. Not just don't be afraid, but that God's joy is for us. That's what the angels were saying. That God's joy, it's, it, this is his joy that has been given to you. It's specifically for you that will be for all people. It's not just exclusive, but it's also to include. That it's not just for you. His love, his joy pours out of your life. So much so that even though tragedy happens, his joy is being poured into your life. And it's going to overflow. Because that's the kind of joy God has. And he wants us to give that joy away. God's joy is for us. It's personal. It's meaningful. It's like when someone gives you something meaningful, their thought was put into it, or, or a favorite dessert that you like, or a favorite food. It brings you some type of joy. We had a, a Thanksgiving dinner, and, and one of our friends brought over, I call it a peanut butter ball. This thing is unbelievable. They have it at the craft fair that I'm going to go get. So they bring this, it's a peanut butter ball, and there's like maybe 12 to 18 of them, maybe not that much, but I don't know, I, I, I kind of estimate. So they brought this over, and I'm, it just brings me such joy because there's, there's peanut butter and some uh, whatever else is in there, there's peanut butter. And then in the middle of it, there's a morsel of a Hershey kiss or some type of chocolate. See, some of you are salivating. I, I, I see you. So they, they brought this and I, I looked at it and I'm like, man, it's so good. And then I feel the Lord saying, you know, you, you should share. <laughs> I'm like, wow, if God has to speak to me that I need to share, then that's an issue in my life. And I've been working on that for 40 years, so give me grace. And so I, I thought, you know what, I should share. I was like, hey, anybody else want? Anybody else want? No, nobody want? Okay, whatever, I asked. So I did ask. I did ask if people wanted. Nobody said anything, so their loss, it's okay. Uh, there will be another time for that. But now the bag is depleted. It is gone. You know when you eat the last one of the favorite thing that you love? You try to savor the moment. And so the last one, I'm like, please last. <laughs> But when it's gone, so is the joy. Joy is depleted, gone. And I'm thinking, I wonder if that's like these things. 
That when we include things, I have finances, I'm joyful. I have a new car, I'm joyful. I have the new home, I have my family, I have these things. Oh, great, I'm joyful. But then when things are now gone, taken away, or no longer there, no longer strong as a family, is all my joy depleted? Is it gone? Because if I put my joy in things, I'm just one tragedy away from everything being gone and all the joy being depleted. That's why God's joy is for us. You know, and God's people were taken into slavery in Egypt and then they were delivered. And then they're given the promise of a Messiah that, that they're going to be rescued as well as now being held captive by surrounding nations. And then add to that the anticipation of salvation and what was promised them. You can see why there is a cause for rejoicing among God's people when there is a talk of the coming of the Messiah, of the Christ. And then when Jesus appears, he delivers his people and brings salvation to them. You could see why when the angels came, they knew what was going to happen. So when they said, this is good news, he's going to bring great joy for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. Those words, a Savior has been born to you, is very specific to the people that were listening. That they understood from where they came from and where they were and then where they were heading. And the response of joy, gladness, or happiness is not only a deep-rooted feeling. We also express our joy in celebration or when we gather together as a church. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. We celebrate this season in the way we do because God's joy is for you and me. It's an individual joy that God brings to us. And it's sustainable because of him. In, in the book of Psalms, chapter 16, verse 11, it says that you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Here's God's promise to us that you can find joy in sensing God's presence at any time. And you know that word joy can come from friends. Friends can bring us joy. Spe special occasions can bring us joy. In fact, there are about 12 Hebrew words that are like root words to the different occasions to describe, describe joy for different occasions that are found in the Old Testament. The New Testament uses words like happy or blessed or boast to express joy. So joy is, it's not just captured in one word because there are so many things that bring us joy. But only one type of joy sustains our life. And this is what Jesus was meaning when he said it in John chapter 15, verse 11. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy, joy of the Lord, my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. In other words, if joy, if the joy that we're receiving and the joy that we want to feel again is wrapped up in things, we will never be filled with joy. Because life depletes us of joy. But when Jesus said, no, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full, we never can be joyful apart from the Lord. We can have joyful mo moments, we can have joyful seasons, but we're, if, if that's the case, if it's not the Lord, then we're one tragedy away from being depleted of all joy. But if it's the joy of the Lord, although there are many words connected to joy, 
Only Jesus makes our joy full, and he is the only one who can sustain it. He continues in John chapter 16, verse 24, until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. That's why the angel could say, don't be afraid. God's joy is for you. And here's the last thing, that there is still good news for our life. There is still good news for our life. That's why the angels were so joyful when they brought this good news. Because for the people of God, they felt like we're done. We don't have a savior. I thought there was a promise. When is this promise going to happen? Well, here come the angels. The angels were anticipating this too. They could not wait for this to take place. That God is bringing us good news. And the Old Testament Rejoicing is frequently expressed in, a, in connection with the feasts, uh, all the different Jewish feasts. In fact, they're called times of rejoicing. Why? Because it's joyful. They're celebrating all the different feasts because of what they went through. Feasts for something that the, joy, that, that the Lord has done that brought them joy, deliverance from slavery, deliverance from death, annihilation, or captivity. So they had these joyful feasts to, to remind them that there is still good news and it's in God. The good news is, for us, is that we're no longer slaves to sin. That death is not the end. He offers us the free gift of eternal life. That we're free from who we were, and we don't have to succumb to the old life and the habits that we used to have that pulled us away from the joy of the Lord. And that deep-rooted joy of a believer or, or as a Christian, that deep-rooted joy is not diminished when the circumstances of daily life hit us or adverse circumstances hit us, or hostile situations, or painful situations, or even negativity hit us. Why? Because as a believer, the joy of the Lord is our strength. He's pouring into us, even though life may deplete us, even though we go through persecution. That's what the whole Sermon on the Mount was in Matthew chapter 5, if you ever read that. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 11. Jesus outlines what life looks like, and yes, you're going to go through these things, but blessed is the person who, and he outlines it for us how the joy of the Lord is sustainable. So when the angel said in Luke 2, verse 10, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. They knew what they were talking about because they stand in the very presence of God. And if you and I will ever come to that place of understanding what joy looks like, what joy feels like, and how joy can be sustainable, we're going to have to go back to the word of God and, and understand and believe what the angels were saying. That given to us is a savior who will bring good news, who will bring joy into our lives. And it's not just for a moment. It is for you for all of eternity. I want us to pray together. If you'd put away your notes and, and even your Bibles, if your Bibles are open, and we're going to pray in this, for this season that about this word joy, because you're going to hear it, you're going to see it all over the place, you're going to read it in cards. But let not this word just slip by and have it just be another tagline or something that we read during the season. But let it be something that sinks deep within, that we understand that, yeah, folly is joy to those who maybe even do whatever they want to do, but a person who has the understanding is able to walk a straight path. We don't want to lack sense. We want to understand the things of the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we're, we're first of all grateful that we can learn together 
We don't want to lack sense. We don't want to rely on just temporary things to sustain our joy. We want to rely on you. That it's your joy that gives us the strength that is necessary to sustain our life. And it's, it's for us. And your love that surrounds us is, is greater than whatever we may fear. We may fear insecurities. We may fear failure. Whatever it is, Lord, can your love fill us afresh so that it's greater than whatever we fear. Because there is still good news for our lives. May we never forget that we have yet to experience your very best. And today our heart is to trust you. And about this word joy, there is the joy that comes from the world, but then there is a joy that comes from you. Help us during this season to rely on your joy. For those, Lord, that may not know you, right now is an opportunity for them to grasp and to begin to understand what the joy of the Lord is. And it comes through salvation. It comes through our prayer to you of forgiveness of sin and that exchange of our life for the life that you have for us. And if you're here today and you're saying, you know, I've never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never given in my life. I would want to. I just don't know what to do. Well, I want to pray with you. And, and as I say this prayer and you repeat after me, although you'll be saying the words, include your heart. I'm just going to lead you in this prayer. And what this prayer is all about is the free gift of God of eternal life in heaven. He paid the price for our sin so that we could freely receive eternal life and stand before a holy God. And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed, as we say this prayer, just mean it with all of your heart. And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me eternal life. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave, and I am grateful. I receive you and your joy. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer for the very first time and you just received Jesus, could you just lift a hand real briefly? I want to pray over you because that's the best decision you'll ever make, okay? God sees your hand. Anybody else? This is the best gift that you'll receive in your life from God. And then even more after that, okay? Anybody else said yes to Jesus today? Okay. Okay, you can put your hands down. Lord, I just pray for these that said yes to you. That in this season, especially during this season, that they would see your goodness, your joy, that they would receive your joy. And as they walk with you, as they learn about this relationship with you, can you help them so that their joy may be full? That they won't be afraid because your joy is for them. You're still good news because of who you are. For those of us who are believers, Lord, I pray that you would once again restore unto us the joy of your salvation. And if we're, if we're here today, and I think many of us are, we're reminded that we're not done yet. All of us, we're not done. There's still a lot to do. As a believer, if you're here 
and you're saying, Lord God, I thank you for that reminder of your joy. That is my strength. Would you lift a hand? And you're just acknowledging, it's not for me, it's just for you to say to God, Lord, thank you for your joy. Yeah, me too, Lord. I include myself. I'm so thankful for your joy. Thank you for the reminder that there is still hope in this world. And put your hands down. Lord, I pray for all of us. We're not done. There is hope. And when there's no joy left in the tank, no more chances, or we think our children won't make it, or, or the finances will, will be gone, or or so-and-so won't be able to get a job, or they're not going to succeed, or our, even our, if our family seems hopeless, or our dreams are dead, or health is getting worse, there is still good news because, Jesus, you are the good news, and you still live. You will never die. Therefore, when it seems like there is no more hope, that all is lost, no good news left, it's through you, Jesus, that good news still lives. So thank you for reminding us about that word joy. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. And we all said together, amen, amen. Can we welcome these that said yes to Jesus?